If you uh, don't get anything else I say, you need to get this. That you're not here by accident. You're not put on this planet because of the fact that you're the product of, of uh, just random forces and a random sequence of events. God planned you, God created you, and God made you. And he created you to make a contribution. If you were to go to the self-help section at Barnes & Noble, you would find all kinds of books that, that talk about how to get the most out of life. But that's not why God made you. God made you not to get the most out of life, but to add to life. He created you to make a contribution. He made you to make a difference. Let me show you this right from Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. The Apostle Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus. And he basically, he's trying to encourage him with this same thing. He says, for we are God's workmanship. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. All right, I want you to notice three things about that verse. Number one, God created us for good works. That's one of the reasons why he created us, for good works. Number two, I want you to notice that God created and planned out those good works in advance of us doing them. So God knew about them from the foundation of the world. Number three, let me, let me show you another observation about this, that God wants us to walk in those good works. He says he wants us to walk in them. In other words, that our lives would reflect a lifestyle that's just overflowing with good works. And so, and so you're not here to just get out of life. You are here to give. And so your life is going to be invested into something. Your life's going to be spent on something. So the, my question to you is this, what are you investing your life in? What are you giving your life to? Is it a career? Is it a hobby? Is it a sport? Is it, is it, are you investing your life so that you can accumulate wealth and stuff? What are you investing your life in? You see, none of those things ultimately are going to matter. 100 years from now, the only thing that's really going to matter is your service to God and your service to one another. That's the only thing that's going to last forever. And so what we see throughout scripture over and over and over again is that God is at work in the world and God chooses to work through people for some mysterious reason, for some reason we don't even fully understand. God is all powerful and he's working in the world every single day and yet he chooses to do his work through people. So I think the question then becomes what kind of person does God use? If God is working through other people, then what kind of person do, do we need to be in order for him to work through us? Now, as a pastor, one of the things that I've noticed is I've noticed a lot of people will give all kinds of reasons and excuses for why God can't use them. And they believe deep in their heart that God can't use them because of something. And part of that something is, well, I don't know enough of the Bible. Or, I have such a sinful past, God could never use me. Or, I'm just not that gifted and talented. 
or I'm not good at speaking in front of groups of people, so therefore God can't use me. And so what I've noticed is people use all kinds of excuses for why God can't use them. And it's nothing new. We see it all the way through Scripture. From Genesis to Revelation, you see people responding in, this, in a very similar way. In fact, let me, let me give you a few examples of this. You know, Abraham was too old. Jacob was too insecure. Leah was unattractive. Joseph was abused. Gideon was poor. Think about this. Moses stuttered. Rahab was immoral. David had an affair and his family was all dysfunctional. Elijah was suicidal. Jeremiah was depressed. I can keep going with these. You guys tracking with me? John the Baptist, well, he was just weird, okay? He was just, John the Baptist was just weird. So, so Peter is hot-tempered. Martha worried all the time. Thomas had doubts. And Paul had a thorn in his flesh, whatever that was. And what we see throughout Scripture is God chooses to work through people. He chooses misfits to accomplish his purposes. And if God can use any of those folks, church, can I just tell you something? God can use you and me. And that's just the truth. And so God using you is not really about your weaknesses. It's about his strength. And God using you is not about your proficiency. It's about his sufficiency. And God using you is not about your abilities and talents. It's about God's power at work in your life. He chooses people who are weak to work through and accomplish his purposes because in that way he's glorified. That way his glory comes to front and center. So if you have a Bible, I want you to turn to Philippians chapter 2. You've been tracking with us over the past several weeks. We are uh, right in the middle of a series that we have been doing called Go Together. And we are studying what it means to be the church and what it means to be a church that is used by God. Now, let me, let me give you a little bit of the context for this letter so you can kind of understand, especially today, what, what is happening. As I've been sharing with you, the Apostle Paul is in prison. He's, he's chained to a Roman guard 24 hours a day, seven days a week. He is in Rome. And uh, he has started this church in Philippi. He helped plan it. He helped lead these folks to Christ and get this church started. So what the Philippian church did is they sent, they sent a messenger, Epaphroditus, to Rome to see Paul. And so they are intending that Epaphroditus will give Paul a report to, to Paul on how the church is doing, but that but they would also send some financial support with him. And so that was what Epaphroditus was doing. They're hoping that as Paul hears the news of what's going on in the Philippian church, that Paul would send Timothy to them to correct some of the problems that they were having. That's their hope. The problem was Paul doesn't know how much time he has left. He doesn't know if he's going to live or die. He doesn't want to send Timothy just yet because he needs Timothy. So what he does is he sends Epaphroditus back with, with the Philippian letter in his hands to send and to encourage the people um, in Philippi. Now, what he, what he does in chapter 2 is he's talking about some of the problems, some of the challenges that this church was having. I mean, they had some cliques in their church. They had some division in their church. They had some, you know, some backbiting and grumbling and complaining and that kind of thing. And what Paul is trying to just say is, look... 
we got to get to humility. Humility is the key to community. That's Paul's whole point in chapter 2. And then he highlights this example of humility in Jesus, as, as Derek was talking about. But he also gives us two more examples, and these two guys, Timothy and Epaphroditus. And I really want to look at these guys today. Because I think the picture that we get from Epaphroditus and Timothy is a picture of the kind of person God can use. It's the kind of person that God can work through. And so I want us to read verses 12 through 30, the end of the chapter. And if you're willing and able, would you stand as we read uh, God's word this morning? It's a very interesting passage of scripture. He says this, verse 19 or verse 12, he says, Therefore, my beloved, as you've always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but, but much more in my absence, Work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that, they, that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I didn't run in vain or labor in vain. Even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. Now here's where we're going to really focus in. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon so that I too may be cheered by news of you. For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. For they all seek their own interest, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth. How as a son with a father, he has served with me in the gospel. I hope therefore to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me. And I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come also. I have thought it necessary to send you Epaphroditus, my brother fellow worker, fellow soldier, and, and your messenger and minister to my need. For he has been longing for all of you and has been distressed because, he, because you heard that he was ill. Well, indeed, he was ill and near to death, but God had mercy on him, not only on him, but also on me, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I'm the more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again. And that I may be less anxious. So receive him in the Lord with all joy and honor and honor such men. For he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. This is God's word for God's people. You may be seated. Now, what kind of person does God use? I think that's the question we're looking at. I think Epaphroditus and Timothy really give us uh, this picture of what it means to live on mission, what it means to be used by the Spirit of God. And what I want to do is just share with you three characteristics of a person that can be used by God. So you're a student, you're, you know, you're, you're a kid, you're, you're male, female, doesn't really matter. What characteristics um, really describe the person that God can use? Let me just give them to you real fast. Availability sensitivity and reliability all right so 
So let's, let's look at those. Now, let me just take a minute and say something before I look at this. Church, God is sovereign. He can use anybody. You guys tracking with me on that? He can use anybody he wants to use. So he can use an unbeliever like Pharaoh. Okay? He can use a rebel like Jonah. He can even speak through a donkey, which is really good news for me today because, well, never mind. So, uh, but he can use anybody. He can use anybody he wants to. But it's when you and I have at least the beginnings of these characteristics that God can, can work in a profound and breathtaking way. So I want us, I want us to just keep that in mind as we, as we look at this. So let's look at the first one. Let's look at this. The kind of person that God uses is a person that really demonstrates availability. Now let me, let me kind of define what I mean by availability. What does it mean to be available? It just means that you're free to be used. It means you're unencumbered, right? It means you're, you're not going to be distracted. You're, you're free to go. You're free to serve. You're free to make a difference. Now, let me, let me show you this right from the text. I want to show you four verses. Look at, look at, first of all, verse 19. He says, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon. I want you to notice that word send. All right? Skip down to verse 23. He says again, I hope, therefore, to send Timothy just as soon is how I see it will go for me. So two times he's talking about sending Timothy. All right, skip down to verse 25. Now he switches and he's talking about Epaphroditus. I've thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus. All right, so now he's switched and he's sending them Epaphroditus. Look at verse 28. I'm the more eager to send him Epaphroditus, therefore that you may rejoice at seeing him again and that I may be less anxious. Now, notice the recurrence of that word Send. Did you notice that? Four times in about seven verses, he's talking about sending two different guys. Now, here's the question that I had. What kind of person do you send? What kind of person is sent? A person who's available. A person who's a servant who says, Lord, here am I, send me. I'm available to be used by you. That's the kind of person God can use. A person who says to the Lord, I'm available to be used. Now, to whom are we available? Well, as I've already mentioned, we're available, first of all, to the Lord. Look at verse 19 again. He says this, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon. So his hope is in the Lord Jesus. Now this phrase, we've talked about this phrase in the past, this phrase in Christ or in the Lord really is describing the foundation of God using us. So God uses those who are in Christ. It really describes the work of salvation in the heart of a person. Because what Jesus does is he takes a person who is outside of God and his grace and puts him in God and in his grace. Does that make sense? And so one of the most frequent descriptors of a Christian is this phrase, we are in Christ. And what it marks is we've been saved. We've been adopted. We've been transferred from darkness into light, that we've been forgiven, that we've been born again, that we've been changed, that the grace of God has taken root inside of our hearts. That's what he's talking about. And so when the apostle Paul hopes, he hopes in Jesus. 
And, and when the Apostle Paul loves, he loves in Jesus. And when Paul and his colleagues are committed to being available, their availability is in and through Jesus. Does that make sense? And so so really the kind of person that God can use is someone who is available to the Lord, first and foremost. But secondly, as you think about available to whom, they're available to the church as well. They're available to the church. In other words... They're available to serve the body of Christ, which is all of those, all of us who are in Christ. Now, specifically for Epaphroditus and Timothy, these guys were couriers that provided communication from Paul to his churches. That's, that's what, that's, they, they, they spent a lot of time doing that. And so Epaphroditus actually, I mean, check, just think with me about this. He actually carried the letter to the Philippians that we're reading to the Philippian church. That is incredible. And, and so if he doesn't, if he's not available to do that church, you and I are not reading this letter. The only reason why we're reading this letter 2,000 years is because Epaphroditus was available to the Lord and to the church to carry, to carry this letter. And so what I love about that is I'm sure that this seemed like something small for Epaphroditus to do. It seemed small and insignificant, but he did it anyway. And a lot of times, the things that we think are small and insignificant are not. They're actually huge in the plan of God. The challenge is you and I don't know the difference. We don't know what God's plan is always. So you know what we need to do? We just need to do it anyway. We need to be available anyway. And so if you decided to volunteer in children's ministry, that may seem small and inconsequential to you, but I want to tell you in God's plan, it's huge. If you volunteer in student ministry or you volunteer to, to you know, pass out loving beyond meals or to pass out you know, and, and be a greeter at the door, that may seem small and insignificant to you. you may like, oh, that's no big deal. Uh, don't you believe it? Because it could be absolutely huge in the plan of God. In fact, it is plan. It is huge in God's plan. And so another way of saying this would be to say it this way. Every Christian has a mission to the world and every Christian has a ministry to the church. All right? Every Christian has a mission to the world to carry the gospel of Jesus to the world and every Christian has a ministry to the body of Jesus, the body of Christ, the church. In other words, you were commissioned to carry good news, but you're consecrated to serve the body of Christ. And one of the reasons why you need a church family is so that you could have a place to practically serve the body of Christ, to do something with your hands and to serve and to make a difference and to give your life away. Incidentally, in 1 Corinthians, the apostle Paul tells us there is no small service to God. It's all important in the eyes of God. And so here's the question, church. Are you available to be used by God to serve the Lord and to serve the church? One of the things that I find as a, as a pastor is what hinders people all the time in, in serving, serving God and serving the church, what hinders their availability is they're just so focused on their plans, their dreams, their desires, their ambitions, their wants. And, and so what happens is 
their plans get in the way of God's plans. And that hinders our availability. Now, church, I'm not saying that it's wrong to have dreams and desires and ambitions and plans. Okay, I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is this. You need to place them at the feet of Jesus. In other words, you need to surrender them to Jesus. Another way of saying it is this. You need to pray about your dreams and your ambitions. And you need to come to that place of saying, God, this is what I would like to do. But Lord, not my will, but your will be done. That's called surrender. And when you pray that, church, it it opens the door for God to work through us in powerful ways. But a lot of times, we're not willing to pray about it because we don't want God's input on that. We want to do what we want to do. And so I just want to challenge us as a church family. I want to challenge you today to just get by yourself for a few minutes and spend some time praying to God and let this be your prayer. Let this be the prayer of your heart. God, just say, God, I'm, I'm available. Whatever you would have me to do, wherever you would have me to go, whatever you would have me to say, I don't know everything that that means and what that practically looks like, but I'm telling you today, I'm willing. And I'm available. So many times, it's just our selfish will that just gets in the way, that hinders God's spirit from working through us because because we're not really available. We're not really willing to go. And if you will be, if you will pray that prayer, I'm telling you, God, you will see God move where you work, where you go to school, on your team, you know, in your neighborhood, he will work in dynamic ways through you because now you're saying, God, I'm joining the work of God in my life. That is availability. But there's a second one. There's a second characteristic of the kind of person that God uses. And it's a person that really demonstrates sensitivity. Sensitivity. Now, there are a lot of people who are available to be used by God, but they're just not sensitive to other people. You, you know what I'm saying? Like, they, they just, they're just not really others-centered. They're, they're not really thinking about other people. But I want to I show you kind of the character of Timothy, especially uh, in this passage. Look with me at verse 20. Look how the Apostle Paul describes Timothy. He, he describes him this way. He says, for I have no one like him. Now, Paul had a lot of people around him. And he says, I have no one like Timothy. Well, Why? Because he is genuinely concerned for your welfare. Do you see that? Like, like Timothy is the kind of guy that is just sensitive to the needs of other people. He's just aware of the needs of other people. He is, he is others-centered. He is others-focused. He is thinking about what these Philippian Christians need. And so Paul says, man, I just don't have a lot of people like him who are like that. That is, that is, that is gold. Um, and then look at verse 21. He says, for, for they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. And the implication of what he's saying is, is Timothy really seeks after the interest of Jesus. Like that's his agenda. He's not trying to use people. He's not trying to, you know, to climb the ladder and he's not looking for self-glory or self-promotion. He's just, he just cares about them. And that is, that is huge. And that's That's what proves his worth. That's what makes his worth go through the roof. Because he's so absorbed 
into helping other people. Epaphroditus is the same way. Look at, look at how, how Paul describes him. Um, he says this in verse 25 or 26, I should say, for he's been longing for you all and, and has been distressed. Epaphroditus has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. And so Epaphroditus was like, oh man, these, these, these folks are really concerned about me. And that was, that was kind of wigging him out a little bit because he, he doesn't want them to be uh, distressed about him. And so, so really, let me just kind of bottom line this one for us. What Epaphroditus and Timothy do is they just love people. And so, and so they're used by God because they love people. And they're committed to helping other people. And I think that's what we see in Epaphroditus and Timothy. You see, church, life is all about love. And so God created us to love. And when we love, we are most like God because God is love. And what's fascinating to me is the foundation of every command in Scripture is love. It's the root of every single command that we, that we have in Scripture. Let me, let me just show this to you. This is from Galatians 5.14 where Paul writes and he says, For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You know what that word is? Yeah, that word is love. He says, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now, when you think about the Ten Commandments, Four of the Ten Commandments deal with our relationship with God. And six out of ten deal with our relationships with other people. But they all focus on what it means to love. And so, and so we see this, this priority of loving all the way through Scripture. And here's the other interesting thing about love. Is our love should really begin in the church. Like our commitment to loving should start with us loving one another in this room. Let me show you this. Same book, Galatians 6.10. The Apostle Paul says this. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone. In other words, let us love everyone, especially to those who are in the household of faith. And so what Paul is saying is this. As you have opportunity, doesn't mean you have to, you know, Drop everything 24 hours a day, seven days a week. But God gives you opportunities. So as you have those opportunities, let us do good to the household of faith. Let us love one another. So my question was, why does God put priority on us loving each other? Like, why does he do that? I mean, everybody's equal in the eyes of God. We should be loving everybody, right? But in scripture, it says we need to start with loving one another. Why is that? Well, I think the church gets the priority in loving because God wants his family to be known for its love. That's what I think. He wants the family of God to be, to be known for love more than anything else. And so Jesus has called us to love one another. That love is even more important than our doctrinal beliefs. Because because our love is the key to our witness. And so Jesus says they will know that you're Christians by your love. And so, and so that's what I think Epaphroditus and Timothy are really working in this passage. They are modeling for the Philippian Christians and they're modeling for us what does it mean to love. Now, I, let me, let me kind of 
let me just dig down on this and, and hopefully this will be an encouragement to you. In heaven, we're going to spend all of eternity with the family of God. Okay? So that's what we're going to do for all of eternity. Uh, we're going to enjoy the family of God. But here on earth, we have the difficult work of learning how to love. Okay? So, so really what God is doing is he is growing us and training us in the ability to love, which is getting us ready for all of eternity. Does that make sense? And you guys have heard me say in the past, really life is prep school for eternity. We are in class, class is in session. And you know what the lesson is today? You know what it's on today? Loving people who irritate you, frustrate you, and sometimes hurt you. And guess who is in your life right now? People that irritate you and frustrate you and maybe who's even hurt you. Now, church, listen. Why has God allowed that person in your life? Because he's growing and getting you ready for heaven. What makes heaven heaven is not only is Jesus the center and he's with us and we're with him. And that's a really good deal, by the way. But what makes heaven heaven is we've been transformed into loving people. And class is in session. And so don't give up on relationships. Don't write people off. Don't harbor unforgiveness. If there is a brother or sister in your life that's difficult for you to love, understand that God has put them in your life because he's training you how to love. He's getting you ready for heaven that's what he's doing so we need to love the family of god we also church and this is this is why we're doing pray and go we need to love those outside the church we need to love those who are far from god we need to love those who are living just sinful lives we really do a few a few years back there was a there was an article on the cnn religion blog that told the story of a man whose name was Kim Shin Jo. And Kim Shin Jo was a pastor in South Korea. But before he was a pastor, he was a trained assassin. He really was. He was a part of a group of soldiers, special forces from North Korea, that parachuted into South Korea. And their mission was to assassinate, this was in 1968, the president of South Korea. And Kim Shin Jo was a part of that. Well, they got a few hundred yards away from the president's uh, residence and a firefight ensued. And all 31 of his unit was killed except for one guy that got away and then Kim Shin Jo who was captured by the South Koreans. Well, they put Kim Shin Jo in prison. They began to interrogate him. And over the series of months, Kim Shin Jo, his heart started to soften his heart started to change and he began owning the reality of who he was and what he had come to do. He began sharing with the South Koreans all about the plans of, that North Korea was involved in and he began confessing all of that and, and he really began to change. And a few years after that, the South Koreans released Kim Shin Jo. 
And Kim Shin Jo not only was released, but he joined the South Korean army of all things. He got married, he started a family, he left the military and became a pastor in South Korea. And so as the, as the blog was outlining this story, I mean, I was thought, what, what brought the change in his life? The change came because during his time of interrogation, there was a South Korean army general of all people that built a relationship with this guy. The army general was a Christian and he built a relationship with this prisoner and started loving him and accepting in him and he believed in him and he shared the gospel of Jesus with him. And do you know that Kim Shim Jo gave his life to Christ because of the witness of this guy? And I love that story, church. Because in our divided world, in our divided culture that's so uh, angry and, and, just, and just divided, God calls us to love through those boundary lines. God has called us to share the gospel uh, with, with people that are different from us, who are living different from us, that we would show that kind of love and acceptance so that, so that they can have a second chance, just like Kim Shim Joe, just like we have received a second chance. Everybody get that? Got it, good. Well, here's the last one. Not only does God use people that demonstrate availability and sensitivity, but he uses, he uses people that demonstrate reliability. Now, you're like, what do you mean by that? Well, have you noticed that these three build on each other? Have you noticed that? So there's really no use if you're available and sensitive, but you're not really reliable. You know, you don't follow through. You don't keep your promise. And I think if you ask the Apostle Paul about Timothy and Epaphroditus, what made them so special was not the fact that they were exceptionally gifted or, you know, they were great theologians. I'm sure they were. I, I bet that's not what Paul focused on. I bet if you ask Paul what made Timothy and Epaphroditus so valuable to him, is he would say, those guys always kept their word. They always kept the promise. They fulfilled their commitment. And at the end of the day, the apostle Paul could rely on them. And that's the kind of reliability that I think God wants to use. Look at, look at how he describes Epaphroditus again in verse 25. He says, I, th I thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother. Now you notice that word, my brother? He's not, this is not, he's not his blood brother. He's talking about his spiritual brother. That through the grace of Jesus Christ, that grace has made us brothers and sisters. We're part of the family of God. And that's what I think the Apostle Paul is saying. So he describes him as my brother. And then he describes my fellow worker. I'll get to that one in just a minute. Let's skip it for now. He goes on to describe him as fellow soldier. You see that? He's a soldier. He's a fellow soldier. So that's really the, the, the picture that we get there is we're in a battle every day. And our, our spiritual battle is against the, the world and the flesh and the devil. And so the Apostle Paul and Epaphroditus understand that. They have a knowledge of what, what the narrative of life is really all about, that it's warfare. And so he describes them in that way. And he says, your messenger, he's a messenger of good news, and he's a minister to my need. He's a servant. And so what all of this is talking about is reliability. Now, did, did you notice that phrase, fellow worker? Did you notice that, how he describes him? Uh, you're like, what do you mean by that? You know, fellow worker, do you mean that there is work to do in the Christian life? Absolutely. 
and you're like, well, Scott, I read this article the other day that says God does all the work. You know, he does all the work in salvation. And we just, we just kind of rest and we just kind of coast, you know. I didn't think there was any work to do. I mean, all I have to do is raise my hand and pray a prayer and I'm in, right? Everything's good. I can just do what I want to do. Not so fast. You see, God has called us to work out what he has worked in. In fact, he says this in verse 12. Look at what Paul says. Therefore, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you. What the, what the Apostle Paul is saying is this. Reliability is rolling up your sleeves and getting to work. And my message to the body of Christ is, we got work to do. We're not working for our salvation we're working from our salvation. Does that make sense? And so there are kids that need to be discipled. There are students that need to be evangelized. There are people that need to be greeted. There are neighbors that need to be pray prayed for. That is work. And that work honors God. And so, and so you were created to make a contribution. You were planned for a purpose. God wants to use you. Are you willing to be used? Are you willing to keep your word. Now, let me close with this because time, time is upon us. I have really good news for you. I have really, really good news for you. And the good news is this. Timothy and Epaphroditus were ordinary people. They were ordinary people just like you and me. They were not totally available. They were not totally sensitive they were not totally reliable. And so what these two guys do is they call us to look beyond them to someone else. Who is totally reliable? Who is totally sensitive? Who is totally available? Do you know who that is? Jesus. That's right. That through Jesus Christ, who voluntarily laid down his life, that's availability, who was sensitive to our need, knowing that we were lost in our sin and completely reliable to keep his word. The Bible says he was slain from the foundation of the world, gave his life on a cross and rose on the third day so that you and I could have this life within us, flowing out us into the lives, impacting other people. It is all by grace through faith. And so we have God's grace in those areas where we're not available always and we're not sensitive always and we're not always reliable. But praise God, if you're willing to just get back up again, God would use you in an amazing way. So can I just ask you, church, as we close, how does God want to use you? In your neighborhood, in your family, in your church, how does God want to use you? Can you imagine if all of us said yes? Could you imagine if all of us said today, Lord, I'm available. I don't know what that means. I don't know what that looks like, but I'm available. I think God would turn the world upside down. I really do. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for these two ordinary guys, Timothy and Epaphroditus. Lord, we look forward to the day one day that we get to meet them. Uh, we get to hear the stories. Just guys, just like us, 
They struggled. They, they doubted. Sometimes they were hesitant. But Lord, they, they discovered and leaned on your grace. And so God, I just ask that you would help, uh, Lord, the saints here at, at Stones to do the same thing. And uh, Lord, we, we don't praise them. We praise the one who, who uh, saved them. We praise you. And so God, I just pray that our church would uh, rise to the occasion, whatever, whatever your spirit is leading us to do. Uh, if it's to give a cup of cold water to somebody who's thirsty, if it's uh, to encourage someone with a word that builds up, Lord, if it's cleaning a bathroom or delivering a load of groceries, God, we're just willing to say, we're available, God, we're, we're here. And so, God, we give you permission. We want our church to be a place where you're working, and we see it every day. So thank you for these men and women. Thank you for these boys and girls. Thank you for these students today. God, make us... Uh, make us instruments in your hands. And we praise you and thank you. And all of God's people said, amen.